Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry. It's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson. Hello and welcome to Crown Conversations. I'm your host, James Nicholson, or am I Robin P? The world may never know. But joining us today on Crown Conversations to do a postmortem on the Kings 2021 season is the one, the only, the harbinger of a battle of a state that isn't around anymore. Well, the blog about it isn't around anymore. This is a terrible introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, the not dead Ryan Dunn. Well, it was a terrible blog, so it, it's all it's all good. I don't know if it's actually still up. I don't think they've deleted it yet, which let's not notify anyone. Just, you know, let it live on as a zombie. I mean, it's SBN. What, when are they going to get around to doing actually anything productive? Hopefully they're not listening to this. That <laughs> <laughs> people listen to us <laughs> and our bad takes. But that's why we have you on, Ryan, because. Oh, I'm listening to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Your yeah. hot take ability Oof. is unparalleled in the LA Kings Twitter realm. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, doom and gloom and making everyone, you know, upset and hate me. It's, you know, it took a long time to really hone those skills, but I think I got it down. Oh, man. Oh, it, it, it sounds like you and Oli Mata are the masters of that. That's why I was so upset when they traded for him. I was like, Ugh, this guy. <laughs> Moving in on my Encroaching. I'll have you know, Ole Mata is James's favorite player. Oh, man. <laughs> the thing is, I loved Ole Mata so much in Pittsburgh. Like I, like, I really loved the way he played for those two Stanley Cup teams, the, the way he came back from the health issues, and then I... I thought Pittsburgh was just being Pittsburgh and like victimizing a decent player and shipping him out of town, a la Mark Andre Fleury or Matt Murray. And then uh, he went to Chicago. And now the Kings. I'm like, oh no, they're they're right. <laughs> yeah, playoff only Mata is different from regular season only Mata. But if regular season only Mata is around, we don't get playoff only Mata. <laughs> oh. So uh, that's my take on the Kings 2021 season. What would you guys do to fix the team? <laughs> James, you didn't even give us a take. You just ranted about Olimata. The Kings make the playoffs and we get playoff Olimata if we don't have regular season Olimata in the lineup. <laughs> All problems start and end with Olimata. <laughs> that is fair. I mean, hey, they, they lined him up at like top pair defenseman to start the year and oh. I think that lasted like what two weeks and that was an ugly two weeks there's a lot of ugly weeks this season but those two weeks were particularly ugly for Mr. Mata that's fun to say <laughs> yeah it, it was honestly like it felt like when you're a kid and it's you and your friends seeing who can like impress do the most impressive thing with, with like a ball but you're both uncoordinated <laughs> And that's what it looked like watching him be paired up with Drew Doughty those first few games of the year. Um, it, it, it was it was rough. And 
you know, those are two games, obviously, that the Kings should have won against Minnesota. And they lost 4-3 to three in overtime in both of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think uh, if we really wanted to talk about the Kings this season, they had no real... Um, I guess in sports terms, you could say killer instinct. They just didn't seem to know how to close out a game. They didn't know how to shut things down. Close, start, you know. (laughs) True, too. Closing, though, was particularly bad. It was was bad. Like, even if they had... I mean, I felt like it was not uncommon for the Kings to be tied in the second period this year. That I felt like most of the games were there, and it was just that next step to to get the next goal, or to if they got the next goal to hang on to the lead, and it just felt like it, it felt like two out of three times you knew they weren't going to pull off anything for a regulation win. I actually think that's a very fair assessment. I, I personally did again doom and gloom. Ryan um, wasn't expecting a whole lot this season, and when they actually like kind of got into again, like through the second periods, it was like, they're actually hanging pretty tough more times than I thought. But then it's like, you got to the third and it's just, I don't know. Maybe they were on the same way of Lake as me of just being like, well, I guess we're going to lose now. And it was like, <laughs> okay, no, no, no. I mean, you got to try first, but it was, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was very maddening this season of just flashes of them having some fight. And then, holding up like a cheap lawn chair right when it really mattered. I, I said something a little bit more um, crass uh, to take a page out of both your books. And in, in that um, I said, they went out like a wet fart. <laughs> no, they oh, did. it was, it was, <laughs> it was shocking, but you always knew it could happen. <laughs> could and would. And, and, did I okay to be fair to the kings they wanted to play meaningful games in april and may and technically speaking they did so i mean they were in the playoff hunt until what like three or four like six games to go or something like that but it just kind of as I've told James many times this really reminds me of the 2015 season when they just put up a proverbial middle finger to the season and they were just like F it for since like the trade deadline. There was no fight left in them. They didn't really care. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you because I think in all honesty, that's Rob Blake's take on the team. Um, A thing that I've mentioned before is that GMs will reward players by making a trade at the trade deadline. They will say, like, man, you guys have put in a lot of work. I believe in you. Let's go do something special and make a trade for a big player. And the Kings did not bring anyone in, and they only sent out Jeff Carter, who had a great playoff run with Pittsburgh, which ended way too shortly. Um, or, yeah, way too soon. And I, it's, yeah. Like, I think Rob Blake is frustrated with this team if you're trying to read between the lines. Maybe I am too much, and maybe that's not the case, but I don't think anyone in the organization is happy with uh, how this year went. He would be insane to not be frustrated. Um, 
I, yeah, the, the trade deadline was, I, I didn't expect them to go out there and really get anyone big. And again, pessimists coming out. Um, but I mean, we, we really could be doing just a whole postmortem, not just on the Kings, but the whole Pacific division. Um, I'm not talking about this year's, you know, wacky COVID conferences or whatever we had, but Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, <laughs> the Coyotes, the Sharks, the Ducks, the yeah. Kings, the only team out of the that entire yeah. bunch was, yeah, Vegas. And currently on my screen, um, yeah, they're, they're tied with Minnesota still, which I, I don't fully get how Minnesota all of a sudden became competent, but they are. <laughs> and... Yeah, it's yeah, but. yeah. Caprice, Caprice, son, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> I, it's mind blowing to watch what was the vaunted just Pacific Division, and yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a few years removed from when the Kings were really contenders, and the Ducks have done anything, and the Sharks are having their wheels come off now. But that that entire division, I don't know what's going to happen next year with that but i guess the coyotes are leaving i'm, I'm not even 100 sure yeah they yeah, yeah. The are coming in so the the coyotes move to the central and in all honesty it probably gives the kings a better chance of making the playoffs because goodness 100%. knows those three western canadian teams are not uh super functional in terms of their front offices currently um, there was people in Canada on their long weekend protesting outside of Rogers Place in Vancouver about Jim Benning. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, like, Vancouver. You know, yeah. And, and you know, um, obviously things are not looking good with Calgary, uh, with Brad Living, and who knows what the heck is going to happen with Edmonton after they just got swept from the playoffs in the most Edmonton fashion possible oh, blowing man. third period leads. I mean, some of it for Edmonton was bad luck. They were only minus one in regulation, but <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of bad luck and, but also just like they have no defense outside of Darnell nurse. Yeah. And I think it, Man, Winnipeg just has a really good roster. It's a really underrated roster. It's deep and I well structured. Yeah. Even though you have guys like Shifley and Wheeler who will never play defense, um, other guys make up for it. And that team is so dysfunctional, but they find a way to win. I, I don't get how I think it's all magic that Paul Maurice does. I <laughs> I love that guy as a hockey. Yeah. I'm gonna interject to counter Blake Wheeler not playing defense after he completely had his balls demolished blocking shot in that last game. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's actually played defense, but you know, in that one moment, (laughs) that's playing defense right there. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, Also, I don't know if I could say balls, but sorry. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) No, it's pucks. It's the hockey podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. Heading oh, into Lord. the off season, what do you guys want to see the Kings do to prepare for next year? I'd really love to see them trade away Brendan Lemieux. 
because he's useless. Well, of course. They have enough useless players. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I I don't know why they brought him in. I'm with you, but yeah. I don't think he's going to leave, but you're right. (laughs) Well, I have a conspiracy theory that I want to share with you before Ryan answers. Um, So right after they traded for Brendan Lemieux, all of a sudden their special teams just collapsed. Like, I'm serious. Like, a week after they, they traded for Brendan Lemieux, like, all of a sudden, their power play, like, they, they had no idea what they were doing on the power play. All the guys were kind of standing around. They were passing, and they were like, you shoot. No, you shoot. No, I, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. And the PK was worse. The PK was like, ah, somebody's coming at me. <laughs> it all coincided with a week after Brendan Lemieux's appearance. So maybe the hockey gods cursed the kings. I don't know. I'm just saying. To that end, this is going to be very much reading between the lines, but kind of going off of the whole, oh, vote of confidence via trades. When they went out and got Lemieux, I mean, it was not a secret that the Kings kind of, I don't know if they got called out really, but I mean, I at least was very aware of the fact that they were playing really soft. Uh, It was, I think like a game after Kopitar got hit kind of later up high. I can't remember entirely, but he had gotten kind of, kind of knocked around a bunch and obviously he's your best player on your team and nobody really did anything. It went like a whole period where nothing happened. And I'm not saying, Oh, the Kings need to go out and get goons, but you need to have like at least some sort of fire under you to be like, Oh, let's not have our captain and best player get run over. And then we just kind of sit around and take it. And then shortly thereafter they went out and got Lemieux who, you know, really didn't do much of anything either, but that was what he was known for was being kind of the, you know, the pugnacious guy. But he didn't even bring that to LA. I'm not saying he brought that, but like, that's what he was known for. And again, very much reading between the lines there. That's probably, probably nothing. Maybe the team took it as like a whole, like, Oh, we're soft. They are, but you know, it didn't help any, but I, I, I don't know about the Lemieux move at all. The thinking behind it besides like, oh, the game's soft. This will help. And, you know, it didn't. Besides that, um, moves going forward for the Kings. Um, just, they got to cut some, cut some weight up front. Uh, I mean, this is a team that's really just not done much of anything. They took backwards, I think, if anything, this year. Um, you have a lot of guys where they're younger players, but you've seen them now for years. At some point, you maybe start thinking of moving on. I'm not just talking about Luff and Wagner, kind of the French guys, but maybe guys like Kempe, too, of just where do they fit? They've been here for years now, and they haven't really gotten answers for a lot of these younger players that were kind of supposed to be, I don't know if like the next crop was what I would call them, but maybe kind of like the stop gaps until you have the bigger names like Kupari and Byfield come up. And it's just, they got to figure something out in terms of just what do they want to have moving forward besides Byfield. That was a very long winded thing of say, just they don't have any depth. No, I I would agree. I think um, the depth they do have is probably pa- playing up a line too high. Yeah, for the most part. 
I think they're they're overmatched in a lot of ways. And um, hey, Robin. Yes. Hey, do the do the lines after the first line have any size? I don't know, James. You tell me. No, they aren't big. And like even Todd McClellan in his postseason interview, he, he was even like, "Yeah, we didn't forecheck this year. It sucked." Like, we have to reevaluate how we coach because apparently our guys just can't forecheck. <laughs> like, I'm paraphrasing and kind of reading between the lines of like, I, I mean, Todd McClellan seems really unhappy with himself with the way things went this year. Um, yeah, well, especially the last couple of games, they had a chance to make a stand against Minnesota and really just make a statement, go out a winner, and they just... They didn't even show up to the game. They just kind of laid down and died. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to see the Kings. I know Rob Blake is dying to add a young left shot defenseman. Um, I think the Kings need a mid-20s age scorer who can put up 25 goals. I think if if I am Rob Blake, Blake, I'm looking at Buffalo and I'm trying to get Rasmus Dahlin and Sam Reinhart away from them. I think you can look at some guys on even Calgary and Vancouver. I don't know if they're going to be willing to trade within the division, but we've seen Jim Benning trade to the with the Kings before with the Toffoli trade. But uh, who knows what's going to happen with Arizona because their GM seems like an absolute crazy person. <laughs> Um, I mean, who knows if he's just like, ah, Jacob Chickern, like uh, too soft. I'll trade him to you. He doesn't wake up at four in the morning. Like I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, uh, you know, I think it's a foregone conclusion that someone like, you know, Devon Taves goes to Seattle in the expansion draft. Who knows if there's a move that, the abs need to make because maybe they get close to the cap. I just, you know, and then of course, just bring back Alec Martinez and free agency. please. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to that, but everyone already, if anyone's followed me ever, they already know that. So, <laughs> well, okay. So since we're on the topic of defense, um, Drew Doughty in his exit interview, basically advocated for keeping at least the top four, the way it is. He loves his defense partner, Mikey Anderson, had nothing but praise to sing for Anderson. And overall, I was like, I don't think he's that far off. I mean, yeah, I know Anderson had a lot of, like, big gaffes, but, I mean. nothing like 22 or something, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's 22. But also, literally, nothing else is happening with the team. So if somebody makes a turnover and it ends up in the back of your net, that's what you're going to remember most from from that game. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for me, Drew Doughty is always best when he has a boring partner. (laughs) 100%. Like, whether that's that's Rob Scuderi or Sean O'Donnell or even, you know, Rob Blake, his rookie year. um, (laughs) You know, when when he's playing with someone boring and steady, Drew Doughty is at his best. And I, I don't mean to imply that it's boring to watch Mike Anderson I mean, when we watched him, or when I got a chance to watch him last year in, in in the Frozen Four, he was exciting. He was truly like an electrifying player, and he just he stepped in and just 
he allowed his skating, his positioning, his leverage, his good stick to kind of do all the talking for him. And we saw a couple of times where like he surprised guys in the neutral zone and led an offensive chance. And I think that's something that we can that he'll add to his game more and more. I think he's a heads up player. I like him there. I like Toby Bjornfoot. He always had one shift at least every game where he panicked. Um, yeah. Normally in the first period and then settled down. I thought him and Roy were a good pairing. Sean Walker on the third pair. I like, I, I would love to see him not play with Holy Mata. <laughs> um, I mean, you, Robin, you and I even talked about this during the year. At one point we were like, God, thank God for this pairing of Sean Walker and Curtis McDermott. Like, and Sean Walker's the physical one between the two of them. Who would have thought? You know, because yeah, there was that but... stretch of games until, and then it ended when Walker took the puck to the face. Yeah, for some reason after that, uh, they just sort of became shrieking violets, um, that pairing. McDermott never really seemed comfortable again after that, whenever he was inserted into the lineup. Ole Mata always kind of seemed a little bit lost. Um, the boards who were playing defense on the ice with him seemed they were trying to cover too many things at once and they were trying to overcompensate for that. And so it was just like, it, it's kind of unfortunate that the puck to the face, because actually the team was in a really good spot. They looked like yeah. they were starting to build off of what they had done. Like, no, they weren't winning every game. I think they had won like one or two games in a row, but it's like, oh, okay. It looks yeah. like they're starting to build something. He takes the puck to the face, and then um, what was it? Sean behind. Yeah, yeah. same game. Yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of the the game where that sort of changed the whole trajectory. Where all of a sudden they just sort of they didn't like the physical contact. Anybody on the team. That was the moment where I realized the team was pretty soft because yeah. no one stood up for Roy. They let themselves get pushed around a lot. And, and. Well, that was always your big gripe about when they played Minnesota. Yeah, is it that was. Minnesota has quote unquote size on every line and they would push the Kings around. And, you know, I, I always argued that it's not physical size, it's how you play. And this was always the big frustration that we have with Adrian Kempe is that. He's, I think, listed at six foot or six foot one. He plays like he's five foot six. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like Blake Lazat plays bigger than him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and Blake Lazat, like as gutsy, as gritty, as like, I mean, he's the Rudy of the <laughs> you know, like I, I love that guy, but like we can't be relying on him to be the guy to throw a hit in the corner to try to get the four check going. He will literally bounce off somebody. <laughs> if he does, he's not there like, trying, but yeah. Yeah. I know, but he bounces off because he's so small. He's like, got small dog syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it, it, it's true. And I mean, it was, it was tough the, when he was injured. Um, the good thing was that got Jad into the lineup. Jad played great until he had, you know that he took that tough hit at the end of the game against Arizona, and had the upper body injury and missed a bunch of games. And that was a, a hit too, where I thought I think it was Lawson Krause hit him, or was it Christian Fisher? 
I thought, man, nobody said anything to that guy yeah, after that it, hit. He got suspended for that one too, and like nobody on the team did anything. I think maybe like a yeah. period later, Anthony Sioux, I think, got into a fight. I knew Anthony Sioux got into a couple scraps this year, but like, yeah. Again, yeah, well, it's not like, even so much like the response. Is like have have some sort of fire at least. Don't roll over. Why are we relying on Andreas Anthonaseu to step yeah. up for guys? Um, especially when you have a guy like Wagner who has shown he can do that and you know did a lot, plenty in juniors. He's capable of, of you know sticking up for himself. You know McDermott in and out of the lineup a lot. You know especially having a D man do that. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Especially being as big as he is, a lot of times you feel like he he was fighting a guy who was way outside of his weight class. Yeah, and, you know that goes against the code of things. And I I just man like if I was to think about it, like a few years ago if someone played that hit like we've seen Willie Mitchell fight. Oh, there'd be know? half the team going after them. Yeah, I mean, we saw Mike Richards fight. Yeah, Richards, Green, Stoll. Yeah, I would, I would throw in Dwight King because, I mean, again, he was just course, a big yeah. dude. But yeah, well, yeah like, that bout he had with Ryan Reeves in the playoffs. Oh yeah. Um, I think that Ryan Reeves fight that Dwight King had, he mostly just told Ryan Reeves where he hides all his bodies. I mean, that's scary <laughs> enough. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Ryan Reeves is like, great, great. Thank you for that information. I will use that moving forward. <laughs> I need to get a place with crawl space. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Pictures of clowns too? Awesome. Oh. Dwight studied the greats. I mean, what can you say? I only brought up the murder thing for you, Ryan. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I, there's not a day that goes by during the King season where I don't actively sit around like, they need another Dwight King. At least for me. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not for the, again, playing hockey, just... I don't know the aesthetics. It was it was just so pure. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and then Stutter would put him on the first line. Oh um, God! Use him in the shootout. Yeah, let's go, Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> and I, uh, I mean, if we're gonna stick on the back end, uh, I think we've seen the emergence of Cal Peterson as the number one goalie for the team. Yep. Sure. I don't think it's, Quick it's seems too bothered that. with things. Especially since he's making way more money than Cal. <laughs> Always helps. Well, he's also got, I think, two years left on his contract after this year. So he's probably just, and he's, his cap hit is 5.8 million. So, well, his actual dollars is um, 3.5 million. I think he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see him, you know, trying to leave or anyone really inquiring about him. I, I know there's been, some rumblings from Seattle about that, but like I, I don't see that happening. It's two years, a big contract, and a goalie who really does not seem to care anymore. <laughs> Man, my only thing is like I feel like Vancouver's big deal was like they were going to try to through the expansion draft force Seattle to take Braden Holtby because they knew they were signing him to too much money. And I, I, I think is it. If you immediately want to just piss off your rival, just like instead take um, Antoine Roussel oh, in the expansion easily. draft and then take a quick, which, yeah. hey, that'd be fun. But um, I don't think that's likely to happen. It, yeah, Seattle, I mean, the whole expansion draft thing is always bizarre. 
I think there's going to be a lot of GMs maybe looking at what happened with Vegas and the whole, oh, I'm going to trade you assets so that way you don't, you know, draft one of my other players. And, I mean, that, that really blew up in a lot of teams' faces. Um, <laughs> I mean, Anaheim with Shea Theodore, I, I, I cannot for the life of me. At the, at the time, I'm not, I am not a GM. That was just so bizarre. I, uh, anyway. I, I don't understand why Minnesota was like, yeah, that Alex Tuck kid, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did you not see his performance in the World Juniors? But okay, Minnesota, whatever you're doing. Uh, by the way, I have to say this. Um, Braden Holtby cannot be uh, drafted by Seattle because he has a full no trade clause. Oh, sorry. It's a modified no trade clause. Oh, oh modified. Have- so he should be fine. He should be good to go if it's modified. I thought that uh, he has to be protected if uh, it's a no trade clause. I don't know if it's a no movement clause or a no trade clause off the top of my head. Well, I know that players with the no trade clause had to be protected last time because I think Dustin Brown had a no trade clause, even though it was modified, but he was still one that had to be protected. I think. We're just adding too many teams. This is too confusing. Anyway, back to the Kings. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Grease Lightning, what do you do with Andreas Athanasiu? I liked him. Uh, he was a little inconsistent, but he's cheap. He's 1.2 million, so I, you know. And he's I'd, at RFA. I'd re-sign him. I, I thought he was more noticeable on most nights than Adrian Kempe was. Oh, by far. And, yeah. I mean, at this point in time, he's going to be a restricted free agent, so yes. may I as well. I, I Back at the trade deadline, I thought for sure, like, every fiber of me was like they're gonna trade anthony Sioux. i mean it only makes sense he's one of the few productive guys they have on this team that's not very good get something for him maybe recoup you know what you spent on brendan lemieux and <laughs> at least and obviously that ship has sailed and it's just at this point yeah keep him kempe <sighs> hope to god seattle takes him Back when they called him up, I don't think there was a player on the Kings I was more excited to see called up in quite some time. Um, I, I don't know. I was, I was really high on him. I thought maybe throwing him into a second-line center role was a bit much, but he actually really stepped up in his rookie year uh, when Jeff Carter went down. And mm-hmm. he's kind of been like, uh, the band, the killers of just everything since the debut has just been a steady sort of decline, at least in my humble opinion. Um, <laughs> but just, it's just nothing's manifested. Like he had, he had issues that, you know, every rookie's going to come into the league and have, you know, weaknesses. You work on those, you try to, you know, develop more as a player. The guy just, he doesn't have any defensive awareness he does these blind passes that every once in a while they will work and they look great. But like 99% of the time they're not going anywhere. 
and he just it's been the same sort of behavior and it's driving me insane and i feel like they, they oh god if they get rid of him i can probably probably at least skip a th- therapy session for a week i guess i don't know but it, this this poor kid he's just putting me on a roller coaster of emotion and just at this point yeah if it's anthony c or kempe i i know rob blake wants to squeeze teams with the flat cap this summer and god knows the kings have cap space if kempe's collateral damage through that i i'm quite all right Okay, so I'm looking at Cat Friendly right now. Uh, Kempe is still under contract for $2 million until 2022. So $2 million got- too much. <laughs> so <laughs> we've got one more year of Kempe. However, uh, there is one name that has been circulating in the trade rumors, and that is Jack Eichel. Now, I don't know if it's possible if to somehow finagle Adrian Kempe into a Jack Eichel trade, but the Kings have less than $10 million. I don't see Buffalo holding back any salary for Jack Eichel, but would you take him? If you can somehow get rid of Adrian Kempe and squeeze that $10 million under the cap? Because that's all your room. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's hard because he has the neck injury. Yeah. And there is a disagreement between his camp and doctors about whether or not cervical spine surgery is necessary. Um, I think the big thing that the Buffalo Sabres are saying is that no NHL player has ever had this kind of surgery before during their playing career. So that is a huge red flag. Yeah. Um, Again, Sam Reinhart has been very vocal about not wanting to be on the team anymore. He seems like a much safer bet and he's consistently a 20 to 25 goal scorer. And I would easily put him on the second line in the Kings lineup on the right side. Um, I mean, if you have a second line of, uh, I mean, I don't even know who you put at center for that line. Unless (laughs) you you think Byfield's ready because they need to add a center. Yeah. You need to add a veteran center, and it, maybe that's somebody who's a, like a grit older guy. Like I could see uh, Nick Foligno fitting in well with them because I believe he's a free agent after this year with Toronto. Yeah, um, I feel like things could go so haywire and awful in Vancouver that like I could see them wanting to part or needing to trade away like some good players. And that could even include, I mean, I don't think they'd trade Brock Besser, but Hey, maybe it's a TJ Miller or a JT Miller. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, one is a hockey player. The other one calls in phony bomb threats on trains. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, JT Miller would be a great fit. Um, yeah. Like Tyler Mott, even as a guy who's like a decent depth winger, I would be fine with. Um, I don't know. Like, obviously, I don't think that Rob Blake's going to stand pat this offseason. I think he definitely cannot afford to. <laughs> he has no centers unless you want Blake Lazat to be 2C. I mean, uh, um, or if you think Byfield's ready and then you, you go Byfield, Kupari, and Jad as your bottom three centers. Yeah, that's 
on paper, I think, what it's projected to be. Which I think would be fine the year after this upcoming year. If they had any wingers to support them, I honestly think, like, if they had, like, veteran players alongside them and not, you know, yeah. Kempe, and why I would assume Velarde would be, you know, shifted to wing. Yeah. I, I pray that he would be shifted to wing, finally. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, Kempe and stuff, it's just, you're looking at the same sort of results. You're just kind of spinning your wheels. And, yeah, going off what you said, I mean, about center depth, they haven't had a third-line center since Mike Richards and Jared Stoll left. Yeah. They yeah. haven't had a second-line center since Jeff Carter nearly had his leg amputated yeah. in that one game. And, I mean, going back to Velarde, I mean, that that's what happened with him, where all of a sudden it's like, hey, you want to play second-line center behind Andre Kopitar? You're, like, 21 years old. You played all of 10 games. <laughs> Have at it, kid. And yeah, nope. He wasn't very good in that. I don't think he was ready. I, I don't think it's the right role for him. It's just... I mean, pretty much everyone that saw him play was like, okay, the kid's slow with his foot speed. Um, but he's a shooter. Oh, my God. Just get him to the freaking He's got net. a lot of Ryan Smith, I feel like, to him. He's got the size. He has skill. I like that. It's just, I, I just don't see him as a center, though. And yeah. they, I, they really just kind of threw him to the wolves of just yeah. like, hey, like, we don't have anyone. It's either you or Blake Lazat or, you know, at the time, Michael Amadio. And... Going right. into this season, I was I was just I didn't understand why they didn't have somebody brought in just just to be a stopgap, kind of like how Michael Hansus was back in the early Dean Lombardi <laughs> years of just Hansus. you need someone just to play those minutes. No, I I, I totally agree, and I mean j- just on the game Vlardy thing, really quick. Like, yeah, I think a big thing between this year and and those few games he played, you know, in the in the twenty twenty season. Uh, he lost his his safety net with Martin Furk. Yeah. You know, they played together a ton at Ontario. They had a ton of chemistry. And I felt like this year we watched Gabe Velarde try to make sure he was appeasing his coaches and wasn't really able to establish any chemistry with his line mates. 100%, yeah. It's... The options they have at center right now in-house just aren't great. If they get wing depth, I think Byfield and Kapari could be manageable because at some point, you know, they they gotta they gotta learn to fly at some point. Um, okay, so let me ask you this: Would you take a flyer if he decides to hit free agency on any of these names? Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, yes. Uh, Eric Howla, um, David Krejci, yeah. yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to leave Boston, though. I can't <laughs> imagine. If it was like a two-year deal, maybe. I love I love David Krejci, uh, but his career trajectory has followed very similar to Kopitar's in that he has had literally zero stability in his wingers his entire career. <laughs> they just Fair they just enough. they just stick somebody on his line and go here. Here's a puppy for you. Go train this puppy. <laughs> But, he, but I mean, Krejci's also 35. He's had a few injuries. And Boston also paid him through the nose in his last contract. So, I don't, I mean, he's coming off a 7.25. Do you take a flyer on him? If he hits free agency? Maybe. If, if Chara can leave Boston, I guess David Krejci can. If Lundquist can leave New York, 
<laughs> I mean, I, I understand he was, you know, didn't play this year, but I mean, if he can leave, anyone can leave. That wasn't his choice. Yeah, but he still <laughs> left. <laughs> New York was I, like, ah, see ya. They could have kept him around for just one more year, and it's just like, it really wouldn't have been like any skin off their nose considering how they finished, but I don't know. It, the free agency route, it's. Again, it almost feels like the ship sailed a bit this year. Yeah. Of just, they, I felt like going into it, they needed somebody this past season. It's not too late, but. Uh, I mean, Nugent Hopkins makes sense, but even still, he's almost converted. Like, I think he's been playing most of his time at wing, I want to say. Yeah, but he's been playing with McDavid, so hopefully he's learned something. Yeah. And I, I get why the team actually is pretty gung ho about Eichel. Just I'm not saying Kopitar's you know getting rustier looks like you know crap or anything, but he's 33 already. It's time's ticking on this. The guy's not going to be able to like you know go out there and play like 20 minutes a game and every like tough matchup, you know, until the end of time. It's you want to start at least giving him some support, but I, I don't know if Eichel solves every issue the Kings have because they just have a lot of issues. <laughs> All right. Last name. What about Alexander Wenberg? He had a really good season with Florida. Should he decide that he wants to go looking for a slightly bigger payday from 2.2? Maybe he could be fit. I mean, he's 26. He's not old. At 3 million. I mean, cause he played a lot of tough minutes with Columbus. too. He's going to get a fat contract somewhere. I think. Yeah. I think so, right, too. So I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll get three Maybe million. Kings can't afford him. Yeah, I think I that's more likely than actually yeah. not having a spot for him. Right. I have a weird idea. Okay. With the expansion draft, like, we know that the Dallas Stars essentially have three goalies on their roster when one of them isn't horrifically injured. Um, <laughs> ben Bishop. Poor and Bishop. <laughs> and, and Jake Oettinger. Um If the Kraken take one of them and don't take Joe Pavelski. Do you trade for Joe Pavelski if Dallas eats some of that $7 million cap hit? Mm. Yes. In America. I don't like saying it, but yeah. I mean, he and Todd McClellan have a lot of history, and I kind of... I he's kind also versatile. I kind of yeah. like Joe Pavelski mentoring Gabe Velarde because I see a lot of similarity oh, there. Oh, that is a good Ooh. comparison, too. Yeah. That's... Oh, man. <laughs> I don't oh I don't know if Dallas lets him go. He has amazing chemistry with Jamie Ben. He does, but Tyler Sagan should be healthy this year. And I mean, remember, against the cap. Yeah, they're going to be close to the cap, and, and it's a seven million dollar contract. Oh. If they, they hold yeah. back, if, and they have they, to re-sign Jason Dickinson, Joel Kiviranta, yeah, 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 Gardner. Oof. Like they have uh, a Jamie Alexiak. Uh, Miro Heskinen is an RFA, and he's going to be due for a big contract. Oh, yeah, he's going to get a big fat contract. contract. To sign. Yeah, I, I, it checks all the boxes for being a stopgap move too. I mean, yeah, you don't you don't throw Byfield and Kapari immediately into that like insanely you know tough role behind Kopitar, and you also have a mentor for the rest of the team. Yeah. Which is something they really don't have anymore since they decided to trade everyone that was a mentor. <laughs> besides, you know, Kopitar and Brown. Yeah, and you have a guy who can play center and wing. Yep. Um, so if my field is ready, there you go. Hey, 
play winger instead. Also, I like that move. I don't, unrelated. I, I don't like Pavelski, but man, yeah, I like that move. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about how much Sharks fans would absolutely melt down seeing him on the Kings. Oh, we, <laughs> we have not had that for a long time in like the California teams of just, you know, I mean, there was Solani went to the Sharks for a yeah. little bit and, you know, Blake mm, doing that as well. Eh, whatever. But yeah, it's like, we haven't had that in a while. That'd be, it would be kind of fun. It'd at least make things interesting because, you know, all the California hey, teams apparently suck. So, Ryan yeah. Getz laps a free agent. Uh, he's not Let's not go too far. <laughs> yeah. But speaking, speaking of, of the Ducks, Ducks since, since you brought, brought it up, up, another guy who was a big person, who had a big role in the Kings' two cup runs, Jeff Solomon. He has left the Kings. And he has gone to the Ducks. I mean, he has history in Anaheim. You know, he, he's, he was involved there for a long time in the 90s. I, yes, but Ellie's cap through is gone. I know, but I do believe he is the GM who traded it for Timu Solani from Winnipeg, if memory serves correct. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Huh. The more you know. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> Google that. I'm too lazy. Um, uh, our listeners can Google it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Jeff Solomon, I've had the chance to meet him. Extraordinarily nice, smart guy. Um, I could definitely imagine Bob Murray and the Ducks backing up a Brinks truck for him to get him into their front office. Sad. I mean, good for them, but sad for us. It is yeah. sad. It is sad. And, and I think the Kings also started their own analytics department. You know, they have some guys who are, who are trying to develop that kind of stuff. And that was a thing that was on Jeff Solomon's plate. He, he ran analytics, I believe, along with doing the cap stuff, along with doing uh, really a lot of negotiating between player agents and the organization. So. Kings had some low-key big names uh, with Fuda, Solomon, during the Lombardi years. I mean, they were doing a lot of work. Yeah. That I, I think maybe at the time wasn't fully appreciated. And of course, now that they're all gone, everyone's like, oh. Oh God! How do we go on? It's like, well, we're gonna find out. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mark Yannetti has stepped up definitely. Oh, yeah. I think there's someone waiting in the winds, um, or waiting in the wings, I should say, for uh, this Jeff Solomon role. And it, I believe it is probably going to be divvied up amongst three or four people because yeah. it took three or four people to do the job that Jeff Solomon did. Because he's he is that good. Um, yeah, he's like a walking calculator. With a law degree. Oh, like, God. That, that makes him, like, even more brilliant. No, like, truly, he is. No, yes. No, I'm saying yes. It, it stinks that, that he's going alone. to Anaheim, but, but I I do believe, like, he lives... Carlsbad? Like is it Carlsbad? I, I, I want to say I, I saw, like, a Rosen tweet about that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he drives a long way to work in El Segundo. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rosen said that um, he always gets shoe-checked every time he walks into the room. Shoe-checked? <laughs> that's, that's what his tweet said. I was like, okay. I'm, I'm not, not going to question John Rosen's reporting. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, I... 
it's a shame to see him go. I don't think the Kings are left helpless. No. Um, I mean, I, I think we're seeing... Well, there's... Not helpless. No, not helpless, but it's... You know, we've come a long way from... On the hockey ops side, they're not helpless. <laughs> On other organizational matters, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, it just... They, they were always kind of a mess. That's uh, just, I'll just say this, you know, just based on the rumors that I've, I've heard on, on the team, on the, the hockey ops side, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mess. Anyway, so uh, back to the team on the ice. I want to get into the analytics side of this. Um, basically, they were... So, like, Corsi isn't necessarily an accurate predictor of who's going to win because it's too limited. But it at least kind of tells you what's happening on the ice. So, you know, back in 2014-2015, they were the number one team in the Corsi League. And now they're 18th best in terms of at least Fenwick. Um, I mean, like, where they just don't shoot. Like, what can we do? Well, not we. We, the fans, can't do shit, but... <laughs> we can yell shoot. <laughs> I kind of, it kind of feel like it goes hand in hand with their lack of forecheck. Like, what gives here? I do think that's a big part of it, was the physicality side of it. I, I mean, back when the Kings lost to the, the Knights in the playoff series in uh, 2017... I mean, Rob Blake said, like, we need to get faster because the Golden Knights were the really fast team. The other thing that the Golden Knights were were highly skilled and they had, you know, they, they had the ability to win the battles in front of the net, battles along the boards. The Kings, I, I know we've said it a lot during this conversation of they're soft. They, they don't get the puck. They cough the puck up a lot. They're very fast, sure, but they're just not holding on to the puck. And it it doesn't matter if you have the puck at the point, if there's just there's no traffic in front. If you want to shoot like a wrist shot from like a thousand feet out and the goalie can see it the entire way, like be my guest. Like <laughs> they, they, they know like those shots are gonna be mostly ineffective and useless. If they get the puck into the corners, they're not retaining possession. If they're trying to run the screen in front, the only guy that was really capable of it consistently was Kopitar, and the guy's like six foot four and weighs like four hundred pounds. I mean, he's <laughs> Kopitar is like it's kind of the unspoken part about like of his game is he's a really big guy. They unspoken. Have, uh, that's all anybody talks about when they talk about Kopitar. Kopitar was more of the so defensive big. game, but yeah. yeah. Was, well, I, also, I mean, Brown was there in front yeah. a lot. That's how he got those power play goals. And Alex follow. that's how he got that contract. Hey, oh, the only line that four checks <laughs> really is. I mean, but that was the it's thing, the though. Only they line really only had guys. three guys that were physical. And mm-hmm. yeah, it goes back to the depth thing. It goes back to the size thing. Um, going to invoke John Rosen again of where, like, he <laughs> said the team just lacked an identity back when they kind of like first went into a spiral. I think when they finished like near the very bottom of the league, if not the bottom a couple years back. And they haven't really corrected that either. Just they want to be fast. What does yeah. that mean? Yeah. 
they don't have any sort of you know intensity to them though as a team. They're not they're not getting the puck where the puck needs to be, and because of that, they're just not taking any real like, shots of consequences or getting looks that are going to be beneficial to try and like at least make something happen. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, the four checks yeah. thing. Yeah, it's. I agree. Yeah, they they got a lot to work on. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. I think it's you know it, it's identity, and I don't know if it's McClellan or if it's Blake or if it's just that this is basically a brand new team from who it was even seven years ago, and um, so that actually kind of leads me. Unless James, you wanted to say something real quick, but that was going to lead me to my next question. Man, I am getting tired because I'm an old man who has an early bedtime. <laughs> uh, um, Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I have one more point of discussion. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. And then I have a final question for everybody. Okay. Um, so this is a long one. And James, I sent this one to you. The, it's Japer's Rink. So they wrote something that I found that was really interesting around like rebuilding. They wrote, quote, the Caps haven't been, quote, building anything since 2016 they've been patching tires and hoping to be able to drive another 100 miles or so back in 2015 after another early exit from the playoffs doug armstrong announced that he was breaking up the blues core it's another four years before that paid off which is one year after the caps won so if you're rob blake in the kings even though the kings are currently rebuilding how long do you hang on to your core members i mean as it stands i'd say their current core really is just dowdy brown kopitar and quick and they all have unmovable contracts and then of course so if you want to include this in your core your untouchable guys are probably byfield jad maybe velarde and mikey anderson although i feel like there's probably an i'm listening element to their names um all this to say how long do you retain your guys to be quote-unquote core? And when do you make a bold, splashy move, especially given all that we've discussed and how they lack an identity and they just, they're not very good in general? Like, do you move 23-year-old Velarde if the team, he's currently 21, but hypothetically, would you move a 23-year-old Velarde if the team appears on the brink of success or poised to make a playoff run? This is something Todd McClellan talked about where he said it was a hard year for Velarde because he's the first of the exciting prospects to make it to the NHL for the Kings. So all the eyes and all the pressure are on him and a lot of criticism is on him. Um, A few years out, who knows what that looks like? You know, is he a Patrick O'Sullivan type of a thing where he's a Hmm. he's a good he's a fine player. But we make that Justin Williams trade for mm. the culture in the room. Mm. Um, yep. I, I don't know. I, I think the Kings are establishing a new core and a new identity. I mean, we we've talked about it. You know, looking at drafts that the Kings have done, where it's like, man, all the Fords they draft are guys who are just puck hounds. We've heard about how this year in Ontario, after they were done practicing, they had to stay at the rink and go to class about what was expected of you as a professional NHL player. And I think there isn't a current identity per se. I think it's, it's two years away that true, like T 
tangible identity, which is an intangible thing, um, I, I think it's around the corner. It's just not here right now. And that's just what happens in a rebuild. Yeah. I fully agree with that assessment of it kind of being a few years out. And going back to the pressure aspect, and I mean... If Velarde thought there's a lot of pressure on him, there's there's going to be a mountain of pressure, not just on Byfield, but on guys like Anderson and Bjornfoot moving forward. Like, if this team is going to be remotely successful, even just next year, they really need Bjornfoot and Anderson to keep developing at a pretty intense clip. If one of them takes a step backwards, I mean, that's you're kind of kneecapping your entire defensive core because I mean they're not bad. I don't know if they're good, but they're definitely not bad. And you need a lot of things to go right. So if you're going to have a team maybe like start calling about one of your younger players and you have a proven asset of somebody, again, I don't know what would be comparable to Justin Williams right now. But if something like that came up, you at least got to field calls. I don't, I don't think anything's off the table. You at least listen. So to sum it up right now, there's still two two years away from that, but at the very least, you're still listening. Nobody's untouchable. Yeah, 100%. At this point, everything's very fluid. Why have a set hard, like, oh, don't touch them. Listen to everything. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I also look at guys like Jad and Akil Thomas and go, man, if those are not culture guys, yeah, I don't know what young hockey player is. Okay. To just wrap up this episode... Who do you think Seattle takes in the expansion draft off of the Kings roster? And really quickly, why? Brian. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, I think they're going to take uh, Kale Clegg. Um, Clegg's one of those guys where I, I really wanted him to have more of a shot on the team this year. I, I didn't fully get why they weren't testing him out when they had a couple injuries down the stretch. He seems like he's got a lot of good tools, and I know the Kings, at this point, logistically, it makes more sense to protect more forwards than an additional defender. I mean, that being said, I think... I I really hope that move does not come to bite them in the butt big time later on. And there's a good chance it won't. But from the looks I got with Clay watching him this year, it seems like he might be a pretty good defender and I, I I know Rob Blake wants to have that big gun on defense and Clay maybe probably doesn't fit that bill I I think younger defensemen are harder to come by in this league than a lot of other players really it seems like it's the pickings from the Kings are very slim <laughs> um, you take Jonathan Quick or you take I don't know Wagner if not Clegg, you, you go with Clegg. That's just, I don't know. That would be my guess if I was Seattle. If I'm Seattle, I'm probably going to look at Adrian Kempe or Carl Grenstrom. Carl Grenstrom has come a long way, at least with the Kings. And he's not old, so he's 23. So he's kind of an established player. And he's got a good kind of grindery attitude and he fits really well with that so um if, if i'm Seattle, Seattle, i would probably definitely look at carl brunstrom adrian Kempe, he might be one of those 
like, like when Vegas took Braden McNabb. I thought, oh, great. All right, whatever. They're not going to miss Braden McNabb. But, of course, Braden McNabb turned into a pretty good player, at least that year that they took him for the Golden Knights. So I kind of have an inkling that Adrian Kempe would be the same way for Seattle. Because they could really use his speed. He's got good size. And I feel like with the right coach, um, they could really bring out the best in him. And, you know, he's the type of player um, that would step up in that type of situation. And I'd be counting on the same thing if I'm Seattle that happened to Vegas where everybody's like, oh, well, my team didn't want me. Somebody else wanted me. And now I'm out to prove the world wrong. I like that. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The chip on the shoulder. Yeah, that's always a good motivator. Yeah, I assume it will be Austin Wagner because he's flashy enough for Tim Laiwiki and boring enough for Ron Francis. Listeners, friends, thank you so much for joining us on this conversation. This crown conversation. I was waiting for that. I shouldn't be allowed to end episodes anymore. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't even be allowed on them. No, I'm just kidding, James. I'm just oh. kidding, James. Oh. oh boy. Hey, I don't blame you. Dunn was fantastic. Um, he was. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Oh no, thank you for having me. I mean, usually I'm just like complaining to like one or two people via text or Twitter. Now I get to complain to more people. Plus you two. I mean, I, I can't believe it. This is this is shocking. Thanks for having me, though. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, so much, and have a wonderful day.